0: All healthcare professionals participating in this podcast are paid consultants of Johnson & Johnson Surgical Vision Incorporated. Product indications and safety information will be available at the end of the episode. Welcome to the episode of Fine Tuned. My name is Rana Jaraha and today we have two guests with us, Dr. Ravi Patel, a Florida eye specialist and Michael King, founder of the LASIK Marketing Agency and creator of the clinic marketing system. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Rana. Thank you. It's great
2: to be here.
0: So today we're going to talk about how to keep staff feeling positive and engaged, whether that's in the average day to day or throughout times of significant changes. Let's start with you, Dr. Patel. Can you tell us how your practice responded to this last year?
1: Yeah, well, obviously, you know, this last year has been very challenging for many companies, both within ophthalmology and in general. One of the advantages we have in ophthalmology is that patients continue to have pathology and have to be treated. So we were able to maintain at least some level of work. know, when things started to shut down last March, we told all of our staff we were going to do our best to keep them employed and not furlough anyone. All the doctors made the decision to not get paid during this time and use any operational money we had to pay for the staff. And we shared that decision with the staff. We're also very fortunate to receive some help from the government's payroll protection program. So we're able to keep everyone employed, although perhaps not at the same level of pay as before. But I do think with any big storm comes a brighter rainbow afterwards. So I'm looking forward to the future, but we have been very fortunate. Something we did to keep our staff feeling positive is when everyone came back to work in July, we knew everyone was short on money. So we gave employees their end of year bonus in July to help them weather the storm. And we told them that if the practice does well in Q4, we'd also give a holiday bonus. And hopefully we can continue to fulfill that for our staff and do well
2: as a practice. The greatest fear that most staff have is job security. And are they going to have a position long-term? And this fear can be stronger, especially in years of worldwide uncertainty. And I believe one of the most important things that you could do as the leader of an organization is to have very transparent communication with your staff, letting them know exactly what your plan is, and which Dr. Patel did very well. And the second thing I feel is very important is to get to know your staff on a personal human level and find out what is driving them. If they feel connected to you, they'll be more willing to weather those times of adversity. And the third thing you can do to help them through that, that that fear of job insecurity is to share your vision with them. You really want to eliminate those speculative water cooler conversations and transparent communication and clarity about future plans really addresses their fears and can end a lot of that.
0: Something that we've heard a lot about this last year is telemedicine, which can make the human connection Mr. King brought up more difficult. How can practices introduce telemedicine in a way that doesn't further distance staff or patients?
2: So I have a lot of experience helping my clients with the virtual side of things, and telemedicine has been very, very successful. It's not just a matter of using it correctly. Well, we we have got we measure everything from a data perspective, and I'll give you some hard data on virtual consultations. One of the most important metrics for any medical practice is the lead to consultation conversion rate. So last year, we measured the ability of a group of clinics to convert a lead into a consultation within a seven day period of time. Last year, prior to virtual consultations, those clinics converted between 28 and 35% of their leads to a scheduled consultation. This year, those same clinics are offering either virtual or in-office consultations, and they are converting, on average, around 42% and some as, even as high as 65% of those leads into consultations. So my point is, is that we've all become so used to staying home and working over video calls. It's almost to the point that um, when, when, when we ask someone to get out of their home office and come into our practice, there's this friction involved into that. And a medical visit really can be splintered into two buckets. A portion of the visit is for the actual medical workup and examination and so on. The rest of the medical visit is usually for education, what their pathology is, what treatment is needed, how much does it cost, how much time they have to take off of work and so on. So telemedicine can be used to address all of those questions that people have and usually in a more cost effective and time efficient manner. So if you have a virtual consultation prior to the first appointment for an elective surgery such as you know for LASIK, you can qualify the patient and then the only patients that you're bringing into your clinic are the ones that have already been triaged so to speak and they've actually you'll find that they're going to be that much more engaged. The staff love it because you know, they're not having to work up patients that either aren't really serious or aren't qualified. And patients love it because they're able to learn all they need to know about whether or not they're a medical candidate for this procedure or if they really want it, right? And so it allows them to have a familiar face when they come into the practice. And and so that is the financial side of telemedicine as for encouraging the staff so that they already feel that they're successful at virtual consults. You have to create an atmosphere of encouraging innovation and change. And you have to create an entrepreneurial mindset with your staff. And that comes from a combination of both modeling the mindset and training your staff.
1: You know, whenever there's something new like telemedicine, you're always going to get some resistance or disgruntled voices. However, I think my staff embrace telemedicine really well. A lot of our staff are younger millennials, so they're very tech savvy and are very comfortable using these new modalities and coordinating everything electronically as michael said there are some parts of our offices that, that translate well to telemedicine and others such as the slit lamp, slit lamp exam that do not you now we chose a mobile platform that was very easy for patients to use and is mobile friendly and then we trained our staff on that platform so they were aware of the nuances we've been using predominant telemedicine predominantly in two ways you know first We've been using it to help refill medications. We know not all patients feel comfortable coming into the office currently, and we want them to be able to continue with their medication. And the second way is to educate the patient's family members. In the past, the patient would bring a friend or family member with them to the preoperative visit. Now, we can't have extra people in the office, so we are remotely inviting them to the visit. We're providing a lot more patient education materials, both physical and virtual. And we have a patient portal that allows patients to access their medical records and check what is happening with their care.
0: So you, you've both provided some great examples of how you engage your staff with new technology rollouts like telemedicine. How do you handle onboarding other new procedures or processes in your office and educating your staff?
1: You know, we always try to create a standard operating procedure. And obviously, that's a challenge initially because we don't know ourselves exactly what is going to work best. But we start by educating the physicians and having a meeting with the physicians at each location to talk about the new technology we are bringing on board, what it does, how it works, and which patients we think will benefit from it. We do this with the assistance of the manufacturer or their representative frequently as a lunch and learn where they come in and do a basic product demonstration or presentation. We take advantage of online tools or simulators offered by the manufacturer to educate our physicians and patients. And we also use company sponsored or supported materials to start educating our patients. As a refractive cataract practice, we wanna make sure our patients always have the latest technology and what we think is the best out there. Our staff is accustomed to constantly learning and adapting to new technology.
2: Dr. Patel is is right on track to create a standard operating procedure and educate the entire staff. And one of the biggest mistakes I've seen with practices that they do is that they only educate a few key people when they bring on a new process or technology. Then they roll it out and they don't have the entire buy-in from, from the from the whole staff. And success with a new process or procedure comes in the planning stages. A standard operating procedure that is documented and easy for people to understand is essential. As frankly the ability for people deploying the new process that you wanna make sure that they have the voices heard and that they offer some input into the standard operating procedure. You get the greatest buy-in when the staff is able to be part of the planning as well. I also think it's helpful to automate anything that you can if a new procedure needs to be explained to the patient repeatedly Make a quick film of the doctor explaining it and then email that out to patients before they come in. Make it fun for the patient and take some burden off of your staff.
0: Creating videos to send to patients is great. I mean, it really contributes to a consistent message to patients, which we know is so important. Furthering that idea, how do you ensure that your staff are correct and consistent with their information following initial training?
2: So once you get past the initial onboarding, you need to remain consistent in your message and new recruits also need to be trained. I advocate having a staff member who is comfortable training the other staff and encouraging a high level of collaboration helps the people training become more competent as well. Number two, if you have a deficiency in some area, you need to identify the specific problem and then find a solution that fits into the mission and vision of your company. I'm not a big fan of learning content that looks just like a good course and is not directly applicable to your business. Next, I advocate regular meetings with your staff. Ideally, this is in the first 15 minutes of every day, but at least weekly. These regular meetings are essential to reinforcing your vision and the culture of your business and having transparent communication and trust with your staff. Finally, regular checks really ensure that you're serving patients at the highest level. This could be recording phone calls or consultations to review or role playing during your meetings or actual fun tests with each other. There are many ways to ensure the highest level of service from your staff, but it all starts with regular transparent communications and environment of trust rather than trying to catch them doing something wrong.
1: Yes. You know, one thing we discovered is that if some team members knew about something and the other team members did not, this obviously did not work well. Now, Communication and consistency are key. For example, we couldn't start offering Technosymphony IOLs without our staff knowing what they are and what they offer the patient and being educated about it. We don't like to roll things out halfway because we have found that we fail if we do it in that manner. We take the approach of making sure everyone understands the concept, is familiar with the product, feels comfortable discussing it, and everyone is on board. One of the things that has been extremely helpful is a company that creates these QR codes for patients where they can get educational videos about conditions they may be asking about. This has been a game changer for us. We also have videos for patients to watch in the office and that are sent to them that discuss cataract surgery and all of their options, both surgically and for their lenses. And we also require our staff to watch these videos, and we have personally used these QR codes as well, so we know exactly what the patient is experiencing. Finally, we use a third-party company that has online education modules with tests, and staff are required to log on and complete a module every month in order to be eligible for their bonus. But to speak to Michael's comment on transparent communication and trust, I learned a lot of that from my dad, who is a retired physician. I personally go around every day at the end of the day and individually thank every one of the employees in my office. I tell my scribe, hey, Sarah, you were great today. Thank you. And I tell my front desk staff, hey, you guys rocked it, and I really appreciate you guys, and so on. It's really easy to do, and it goes a long way. I also try to eat lunch with my staff on a regular basis so I can get to know them and their personal concerns. They don't see me as an outside entity that is not approachable. I want them to feel comfortable coming to me because they also have a lot of great ideas, and if I'm not listening to them, when they are the ones in the trenches, we're not gonna be able to improve in the ways that we would really like to. We do a lot of other things, including practice-wide parties, birthday recognition, work anniversaries, and are as aggressive as we can be with our benefits. But just being appreciative and approachable is something that can be easily implemented in any size company.
0: Showing your staff you value them is enormous. I really appreciate you both, Dr. Patel and Mr. King, for taking the time today to share your experience and knowledge with us. You've shared some excellent ideas for keeping your staff engaged, happy, and providing the highest service to your patients. So, to our audience, be sure to tune in for the next episode of Fine Tune. Indications and important safety information for Tecnis Symphony and Tecnis Symphony Toric Extended Range of Vision IOLs. Prescription only. Indications: The Technosymphony Symphony Extended Range of Vision IOL, model ZXR00, is indicated for primary implantation for the visual correction of aphakia in adult patients with less than 1 diopter of pre-existing corneal astigmatism in whom a cataractous lens has been removed. The Technosymphony Symphony Toric Extended Range of Vision IOLs, models ZXT150, ZXT225, ZXT300, and ZXT375 are indicated for primary implantation for the visual correction of aphakia and for reduction of residual refractive astigmatism in adult patients with greater than or equal to one diopter of preoperative corneal astigmatism in whom a cataractous lens has been removed. These models of IOLs ZXR00, ZXT150, ZXT225, ZXT300, and ZXT375 mitigate the effects of presbyopia by providing an extended depth of focus. Compared to an aspheric monofocal IOL, these models of IOLs provide improved intermediate and near visual acuity while maintaining comparable distance visual acuity. These models of IOLs are intended for capsular bag placement only. Warnings. Patients with any of the conditions described in the directions for use may not be suitable candidates for an intraocular lens because the lens may exacerbate an existing condition, may interfere with diagnosis or treatment of a condition, or may pose an unreasonable risk to the patient's eyesight. Lenses should not be placed in the ciliary sulcus, may cause a reduction in contrast sensitivity under certain conditions, compared to an aspheric monofocal IOL. Fully inform the patient of this risk before implanting the lens. Special consideration should be made in patients with macular disease, amblyopia, corneal irregularities, or other ocular disease. Inform patients to exercise special caution when driving at night or in poor visibility conditions. Some visual effects may be expected due to the lens design, including a perception of halos, glare, or starbursts around lights under nighttime conditions. These will be bothersome or very bothersome in some people, particularly in low illumination conditions, and on rare occasions may be significant enough that the patient may request removal of the IOL. Rotation of the Symphony Torque IOLs away from their intended axis can reduce their astigmatic correction and misalignment greater than 30 degrees may increase postoperative refractive cylinder. If necessary, lens repositioning should occur as early as possible prior to lens encapsulation. Precautions. Interpret results with caution when refracting using autorefractors or wavefront aberrometers that utilize infrared light or when performing a duochrome test. Confirmation of refraction with maximum plus manifest refraction technique is recommended. The ability to perform some eye treatments, for example, retinal photocoagulation, may be affected by the optical design. Target emetropia for optimum visual performance. Care should be taken to achieve IOL centration as lens decentration may result in a patient experiencing visual disturbances under certain lighting conditions. For the Technosymphony Toric IOL, variability in any preoperative surgical parameters for example, keratometric cylinder, incision location, surgeons' estimated surgically induced astigmatism and biometry can influence patient outcomes. Carefully remove all viscoelastic and do not overinflate the capsular bag at the end of the case to prevent lens rotation. Serious adverse events. The most frequently reported serious adverse events that occurred during the clinical trial of the Symphony lens were cystoid macular edema, two eyes, 0.7%, and surgical re-intervention, treatment injections for cystoid macular edema, and endophthalmitis, two eyes, 0.7%. No lens-related adverse events occurred during the trial. Attention! Reference the directions for use for a complete listing of indications and important safety information.